Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Hey listeners, welcome to Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. I'm Chris Littlefield, and I've got Dan Gunther with me today. He's the co-host of Positively Trek and The Unready Room on Kurt Tratt's Productions. Hey, Dan, what's up? Hey, Chris. Uh, not a lot. Happy to be here. Excited to talk about this particular episode. I, I think it, it worked out really well. This is a really cool episode, so... Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, you haven't been on... We didn't talk about Lower Decks. You didn't come on for that, for Open Channel for that, right? I don't... No, I did not. Yeah. Okay. So you haven't been on since I was doing postcards with the other network, right? With Trek FM? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been that long. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to have you on Open Channel for the first time. Cool. Yeah, like I said, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I've, I've, you know... Excited to get kind of listener feedback and and see what the community thinks of this episode. Yeah, totally. And as Dan said, we are talking about Die Trying, the fifth episode of Discovery Season 3. And as you listeners know, we talk about the fan conversation for every Trek episode. I post a conversation thread on Twitter and in our Facebook group, The Nexus. Uh, and then I curate your comments and rediscuss them with my guests. So you can follow us on Facebook by typing the Nexus into the search field, and you'll find Holosuite Media's listeners group. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Open Channel Trek. So I say we just go ahead and, and get going, Dan. Yeah, I'm game for sure. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right. So yeah, first comment here comes from Baz Greenland who says, best episode since the season opener, a very Star Trek-y mission. Was anyone else reminded of the Genesis cave from Wrath of Khan? Terrific Voyager reveal and touching tribute to Aaron Eisenberg with the USS Nog. Loved the interrogation with Kovic. Glad Detmer's PTSD hasn't been forgotten, and Saru and Michael learning their dynamic as captain and number one. Wow. Yeah, lots in that comment. (laughs) Yeah, you pretty much covered it all, Baz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tributes, right? Voyager and uh, the Nog. I mean, that was the fir- the second time I watched it, I actually got a little teary at the Nog because my uh, wife was getting emotional at it. We had both met Aaron Eisenberg in Vegas and stuff. So uh, it hit me harder the second time I saw it and, and kind of realized what a touching tribute that was. It sure was. I, I met Aaron and his wife, Melissa, last year at, in Vegas, and I didn't notice the ship the first time that I watched it. Mm-hmm. But of course, once one person did, it just like flooded everywhere. And yeah, and it's an Eisenberg class vessel, which is so freaking cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and the, the Voyager was so awesome, too. That's the coolest thing. I'm glad that she's still around. Mm-hmm. Did you think of Wrath of Khan? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the, I'm assuming meaning the the seed vault chip, like the the T-Cov. That's that's my guess. I, I hadn't thought hmm. of that, but that's an interesting thought. That yeah, it's kind of an enclosed environment with all these things growing. I can I can kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. And Karen Hasha on Twitter says, "I really need to stop cutting onions when I watch this show." 
The crew was so happy and excited to finally find Starfleet, only to be gut-punched again. I swear this show is so 2020. The writers must have a TARDIS. I'm glad Admiral Silver Fox came to his senses in the end. Well, Karen, yeah, I've cried in every episode except episode two so far this season. So, yeah, I it's it was so moving. I, I was just, I, I lost my shit a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was definitely a really moving episode. I, I love the comment that this show is so 2020. I really mm-hmm. got that when Saru was talking about coming out of the dark ages and into the Renaissance. Oh. And that really resonated for me at that part. Yeah. Oh, and we're both looking up. Yeah. I just like, I, on what the future holds, our discovery show, I keep, we keep talking about how every episode is like, it's almost like pertinent to the week of what's going on mm-hmm. right now. And I don't know if you've heard uh, Wilson Cruz talk about uh, this season and how he has felt that the universe is using Discovery Season 3. Like, it needs, we need Discovery Season 3 right now. It's so relevant. And they did all of this before all of these things have been happening. So it's just like, I, I it's totally divine intervention as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like thinking about last week's episode, for example, Discovery wasn't supposed to air when it's airing. It was supposed to air a couple months earlier. And in last week's episode, Saru had that one line where he said, each of you casting your vote like it was a little prayer. Yes, yes, The week of the U.S. election. I'm going, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) I have a few more things to say about that in a little bit, but yeah, Karen, great comment. Awesome. Well, Duncan Barrett says, loved it, but now I really want to know about the Voyager B. So interesting, the Voyager uh, B, I want to know about the A and the B and the C. I know. (laughs) That's what I said in 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 the comment thread. And I was like, Duncan, what are you talking about? I want to know about the A. And then he said something like, oh, well, maybe you'll have a better understanding when you see the next episode or something like that. And I'm like, no spoilers, dude, come on. And he goes, oh, I don't think there's any spoilers and I'm like, well, has he seen more? Has he seen another episode? Does he know more than the rest of us? Hmm. I know there are a few people out there that have screeners for next week's already. So I know that, but huh. I don't know. I don't know, Duncan. <laughs> watch it with the close to spoiling things. But yeah, I, I want to know about all the Voyagers. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> the thought about the Voyager having those uh, numbered, uh, the lettered registries going on it absolutely makes sense to me that voyager is as famous as the enterprise i mean the first voyager what it did seventy thousand light years in seven years it was pretty incredible so yeah that totally makes sense that it would now have a legacy in starfleet i think that's really cool oh absolutely and i i mean i'm hoping we see an enterprise for sure yeah we've got to (laughs) i'm sure we will i'm sure we will i like that probably in the writer's room they said like well we've got to show an enterprise and someone was like i've got a i've got an idea how about the voyager j or something and yeah they're like oh yes that's perfect (laughs) and they could make us wait for it i'll wait for it it's fine yeah totally (laughs) all right well piotr huber says and god damn (laughs) this is a good show I won't give an in-depth analysis of the social commentary or symbolism. That's okay, Piotr, because we all do that (laughs) all the time anyway. 
I am, however, going to geek out because of Voyager. Holy shit. The most beautiful ship of all Starfleet has once again graced us with her presence. Oh, I love that. I don't care if it's a, quote, descendant of Janeway's Voyager. It's Voyager. I'm a happy man. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Kind of, I think, echoing the thoughts of a lot of us. Just that, that giddiness at seeing that. That was pretty cool. And I like how the shape, like the design of the ship, it's it's reminiscent, but it's totally like new, but it's still got like the hull, the front part of the hull is so like, oh, it looks like it, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the Eagle Moss model of this. I want it, I want it in my hand. I want to look at it from every angle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Daniel Huckfield says, loved this episode. For me, the strongest so far this season. Felt like we are seeing a deeply dysfunctional and fearful federation, which is showing the scars of the burn. The Discovery crew were so happy to arrive, and the reaction they received must have been hard to take. The adventure in this episode was a great sci-fi story, and I really enjoyed it. Things are looking very good for the episodes to come. Yeah, I absolutely agree with this. Like, we're five episodes in, and there hasn't been one that I've kind of even gone like, eh, at. Like, they, they've they all been hits for me so far. And they, the last couple anyway, they just seem to get better each time. Yeah, I think so. That's a really great comment, Daniel. And for me, the episode episodes four and five, to me, are just like the pinnacle of star trek discovery so far these last two episodes just feel so fresh and so relevant and so like trekked out to the max Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know it like everything is relevant but it's still so incredibly star trek and it's reimagining the federation and the world the universe and all that kind of stuff and yeah it's it's all they're all hits for me kirsty keen says Discovery seems to have made it to a point to make me cry every week. Well, Kirsty joined the club with Brandy, Jacola, and uh, many, many others. <laughs> I loved this episode, whether it was the USS Nog or the Voyager J. Giorgio finding out her empire hasn't existed for centuries or seeing what's become of the Federation. I loved it all. Though I do hope we haven't seen the last of Nan. Okay, Kirsty, let's talk about Nan. I was <laughs> very sad to see her go. Yeah, yeah, me too. Absolutely. I I do wonder if we'll see her again. It's it's interesting the timing of this, given that she's you know now one of the main cast members who gets credited in the opening credits, and then mm-hmm. to have her. I don't know. Has she left the show, or is there some kind of like is she going to come back at the end, or? What? I'm I'm not sure, but it it really did serve to remind me that Discovery is a different type of Star Trek show because we're so used to Star Trek in the 90s where the cast stayed the same, uh, mm-hmm. except for, you know, one or two. You can kill one off. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some noteworthy things that happen along the way, but for the most part, it's a steady cast. This one, yeah, yeah a character can be killed. They can be transferred. They can just leave like it. It's not your father's Star Trek, as they say. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I fell in love with Nan immediately in season two, and so I really like what they did with their character in this episode. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to see her go forever. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm sure they'll bring her back. She's very popular, I think, in the fandom. I hope so. I, I really like her. Yeah. Also, she's the Enterprise carryover. Like, she's the one that came over. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You can't lose her forever. She made the journey with them. Oh, I hope I hope not. I hope she at least shows up in the finale or something. I don't know. Non yeah. comes in to save the day at the last minute with her little seed chip. I think that'd be great. Right. <laughs> well, Nicholas Paul Collinson says, I liked the interrogation scenes and I really like where things are going with Giorgio. I like that finding out her empire had fallen was the first thing that made her falter. I also like that she owns her wickedness. There are plenty of male villains out there who are allowed to be unquestionably evil and still have their fans. Moriarty from Sherlock, Jafar, Hannibal Lecter. So I'm glad to see more women get to be like that too. <laughs> yeah, she really like chewed that. the scenery this week. And uh, uh, this is the first time that we've seen her unsure, which was interesting. Yeah, I liked it. I want to know. Do you think that that moment where she's pausing with Michael and doesn't respond, is she just like kind of having a moment of like figuring out what's going on internally or did something happen to her? I feel like like it's got to be something deeper. It's got to okay. be. Yeah, it was such a strange moment. I don't think it's just her unsure and kind of unsteady. I think, yeah, something sci-fi is happening. <laughs> okay. Do you think maybe she knows a little bit more about what's going on than everybody else because of her interaction with the amazing, uh, what's his name? She might. Yeah. David Cronenberg's character, mm -hmm. um, uh, Kovic, which yeah. I've seen him referred to as Kovic 19, by the way, Kovic a 19. little oh bit of dark God. humor there. Oh, <laughs> uh, he was something else. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, incredible. David Cronenberg. Uh, great director and great in this role. He was terrific. I didn't know what a legacy he had until mm -hmm. Brandy and, and Dave schooled me. <laughs> I immediately was drawn to him. Yeah. He's got something magical about him for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I personally sense some Section 31 business, but I'm also trying to like tie in, figure out how they're going to tie in that potential show with michelle now being on discovery in the future and how they're going to work that out i don't know mm -hmm. yeah bruce and i had some similar thoughts we we were all over the board with you know what he's all about is he just section 31 and then right. i thought maybe he's really old maybe he lived through a bunch of this stuff and he's an elorian or something like we got kind of oh, wacky on it but i could see him being an elorian mm -hmm. he kind of has that air about him that he's I mean, he obviously knows way more than everybody else. And he was interested in listening. So. He was a listener. <laughs> oh, I would love him to be an Elorian. That would be really cool. <laughs> ah, that would be so cool. Um, yeah, and Nicholas, I like how she's owning her, her, her baddiness too and that she can just own that wickedness. And yeah, I think that's a really good point. <laughs> and our friend Paloma Bennett says the fact that they played the TOS opening music when Michael Saru and Adira Tall transported to Starfleet headquarters was awesome. Yeah, the I mean I've said this before, but the the score for this season is just out of this world. Mm -hmm. And of everything course, everything they're doing. Yeah, and of course added to the fact that they're that they had to record a lot of it remotely and stuff. Like that's incredible. Yeah, yeah I know. But that, yeah, that particular sting of Alexander Courage's original theme. And, you know, there's been hints of it. They've started it and done little, like, hints of it throughout the last few episodes. But this was, like, full-on orchestral, like, let's do the whole thing. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Patrick Carlin says, 
And this part is in all caps. Oh my God, the Voyager J. I was full on in tears. <laughs> and then he adds, I'm also wondering if J was chosen specifically for Janeway. So, hmm. Interesting thought there. I like that. Just, you know, maybe not quite such a random letter pick, but could be. And uh, Liam Smart added, I screamed. <laughs> <laughs> so Liam is the one of the hosts of the Janeway, the Voyager show. And Voy- he's a Voyager baby. Um, I think the J is is a shout to Janeway for sure. And I think it's also a shout to the Enterprise J that we saw in Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I think it's both. And there was a little conversation in the thread about that. I think I think it's probably both of those things, personally. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's done for a reason. I like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, James Deuce says, the CME, like the Nexus, I hope they tie into that movie in future episodes, just like they referred to First Contact, although on the Terran side of things. Hmm. I was super sad that Commander Non stayed behind. Okay, so the CME, like the... So I guess James is thinking that because it phased the guy out a little bit maybe it put him in an alternate place or what uh, do you think i don't know I, w- I was thinking he meant like the uh the stars collapsing maybe in generations giving off the shock oh that could be like what a coronal mass ejection it, they're it's kind of similar i guess i get yeah a, a cma doesn't necessarily mean the stars destroyed though it's just kind of a a stellar burp Burp. did they call it in the episode yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah something like that kind of similar i I did like the little oblique reference to first contact as well with the he said my birthday is april april 5th or yeah april the 5th and a high holy day in the terran empire because that's when they killed all the vulcans on that ship (laughs) oh okay i missed that actually Oh yeah, it was the conversation between Giorgio and Kovic that right. was. Uh, he huh. mentioned that. I've only seen the episode once. I still need to watch it again. But uh, yeah, I really like the hinting at what happened with the Terran, the or with the Terran, with the Terran Empire, but with the Mirror Universe about how he's telling her that it's much further apart than it used to be mm-hmm. That's from our universe. Yeah, I want to know more about that. Like, could we go back and learn more about the Mirror Universe again? Do you think that they would go back to it? I don't know. That's a good question. I it's It feels like they're setting something up here, whether that's an actual yeah. visit. I, I kind of lean away from that. I feel like it's just yeah. there's more to learn there somehow. But there have been others that have come over. You yeah, know, but what, not in said, the like last... like 500 years ago? Yeah, not in the last 500 years, though, which is interesting. Yeah. Because the last, I don't know, the last canon one we have would have been season seven of Deep Space Nine, right? I don't think there's anything after that that has been shown. So, no, not yet, not hmm. yet. Who knows? Okay, we have a couple of questions and concerns, and one of our first one is somebody new to the Nexus and to Open Channel. So, Dan, why don't you start us off with that? Okay, well, Matthew Mevis says. First time commenter thoughts. I'm starting to fatigue. Okay, Dan, but oh. you have to sing. You have to sing first time commenter. Oh, so for I, our I new our new that. commenters, yeah. Uh, so how should I do this? <laughs> I don't know. It's up to you. However, it comes out. Um, 
Okay. So, sorry. Do I sing the whole comment or just... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's another idea. I just usually (laughs) sing first time commenter. Okay. All right. First time commenter thoughts. There we go. You even got a little vibrato in there. I did. Yeah. A little falsetto. (laughs) Well, he says, I'm starting to fatigue of everybody praising Michael. It happens almost once an episode. Was the seed ship a callback or just a convenient plot device? I really disliked the pushback Disco gave Starfleet. They aren't Serenity. They're part of the fleet. They sought the fleet out and they are now back in the chain of command. They are an outdated ship, so they need retrofitting. These officers need re-education and getting them up to speed with the fact that, currently, the audience knows more about Star Trek than they do. (laughs) (laughs) So Matthew came in swinging with lots of questions and concerns to open channel. First Mm -hmm. of all, Matthew, welcome to the show and welcome to the Nexus and all that. So good to have you in the conversation. So want to talk about these questions here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So yeah, everybody praising Michael to start with. It is definitely a thing with with Michael being the main character of the show. Um, I didn't, nothing about that really leapt out to me in this episode particularly. I guess I'm thinking of Non when she's leaving, talked about Michael Mm. and her words at the funeral of Arium. Mm -hmm. That felt very natural to me, but, you know, uh, I can understand where maybe... Uh, the focus on Michael and, and the praise might get a little bit too much. I, I have to say in this episode in particular, it didn't jump out to me, though. Yeah, I have to say that, Matthew, this the, the first time I read this comment, it really triggered me a little bit because there have been so many people just like talking negatively about Michael when she is, in fact, the lead character. And I have and I'm not putting this on you, Matthew, but because I can see I can see people praising and appreciating Michael a lot lately. But I don't think this episode is a very good example of it because she was chided a couple of times for her, her, you know, disrespect towards the Admiral and kind of like not quite getting back into the chain of command, you know, just yet. So I can see in other episodes how you might see that, but personally, I don't see it as much in this episode. Also, this brings me back to like this season being so 2020. And I mentioned this on what the future holds, but the fact that Michael Burnham, the black female commander coming up with this amazing camera angle to the front of the bridge and saying black alert was just so freaking poignant to me, especially this week, because here in the United States, it is black, the black females, black women in the electorate that flipped Georgia, you know, that 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 kind of basically helped save the country again from itself when they are the least represented and they don't have near the same opportunities and level of equality as everybody else. So like this episode to me and what's going on in our world today is just for me is just proof that black girl magic is real and I feel like Michael embodies that and is showing the world that, especially in that moment. I, I mean, that moment was more about than just her saying black alert. You mm-hmm. know, that was her saying black girl magic is real as far as I'm concerned. And I feel like, no, I don't I don't think that everybody is praising the black female commanding officer too much. I think they need to praise her more. I think it's about time. So it doesn't I, I love 
I don't have a problem with it at all. That's mm-hmm. this is, you know, it bothers me when people complain about things like that. And again, Matthew, I'm not saying that that you're doing it for those same reasons that obviously other people are because of, you know, sexist and racist, re- racist reasons. I know, Matthew, that's not you. But it makes me think it, make, it triggers me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, at, at the risk of in the eyes of some people heaping more praise on Michael Burnham, I'm sorry, like her in command in this episode was great. Like, yes, we've not seen her in command of a ship. I mean, very briefly in the very first episode, the Vulcan hello of the Shenzhou, Mm -hmm. she has the bridge, but we don't see her, you know, standing, issuing commands and getting reports and all this stuff. And that was, that scene was really well done. I want to see more of her in command in her role as the first officer. That'd be great. Yeah, and also you have to think her journey, like where she's come from, you know, what all the things she's been through with all the flaws that she has, which which are many, just like anybody else, and how her her arc hasn't gone like straight up. She wasn't like a, a rising star the whole time. You know, she she mutinied, she helped start a war, she's had other setbacks between now and then. And so I'm like, bring it on like put her in charge more praise her more lift her up more you know yeah definitely. that's how i feel <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no, I, I really appreciate your critical comments matthew yeah for sure uh with regards to the seed ship yeah that was a convenient plot device absolutely mm-hmm. and it's also <laughs> a real thing yeah in real life yeah, yeah it actually reminded me of the the arctic seed vault in i i I'm going to get the country wrong. I want to say Norway, but it's probably Sweden or I, I can't remember which country. It's one of the Nordic countries. They have the really famous seed vault. But yeah, Dave Jacola talked about that. And it also kind of reminded me of the uh, the cedars. What are they? What are they again from the TOS episode? And they had the. Uh, oh, the preservers. The preservers. Yeah. How oh. they seeded the different planets and everything. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it it is a plot device for sure. Yeah, but it's yeah. no more it's egregious cool. than a plot device in any other Star Trek series either. <laughs> it was kind of a Voyager type of thing in hmm, my mind. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I think that, but yeah. And then yeah, you're Matthew with like the pushback that Disco gave Starfleet. I mean, all of the things that you're saying are totally valid. That they they're now in the chain of command. They're an outdated ship. And they do need re-education and getting them up to speed. That's true. But also, Starfleet needs to be educated about them and what they've been through, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and Starfleet is clearly wounded and has been just trying to survive. So Disco has, like, major important intelligence that can benefit and help them to rebuild. You yeah. know, I think Discovery's like the missing puzzle piece that they've needed this whole time that maybe they didn't know they needed. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I think the Admiral starts to realize that towards the end of the episode. Uh, But at the same time, like their initial reaction, I find completely, totally justified. Like I would feel absolutely the same way. This thousand year old ship shows up. I would be like, well, I mean, we don't know who you are. And according to the records, you're not who you say you are. So I would be totally uh, suspicious as well. I, I And I think that was justified. 
And I also really liked when Burnham says, if we could get our hands on this thing and blah, blah, blah. And Saru pushes back against that and says, our mm-hmm. first act returning to Starfleet is not going to be to pilfer Federation property and, and go rogue. Like, we're not going to do that. So I, I right. feel like the episode does, you know, reflect that a bit. Yeah. And Matthew's right. Like, they are, with the writing of this, they're testing the balance of these things. Like, mm-hmm. both sides... Both perspectives are completely valid. And I find this often in Discovery when we have two different things going on, whether it be how Culber feels about Ash having killed him, you know, like both of their perspectives are totally valid. Like, so we're 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 seeing this tipping back and forth between two very completely justifiable points of view. And another thing I mentioned to Brandy and Dave was that I feel like Admiral Vance is in the same cut from the same cloth as Janeway. I feel like Captain Janeway would have been done exactly the same thing if a ship, if a Federation ship had come to her in the Delta Quadrant and she didn't know anything about them. I feel like she would have done the exact same thing. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I like that. That that feels right to me as well, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do want to say here with regards to this uh, this comment as well is when uh, Matthew says the audience knows more about Star Trek than they do. Oh yeah. I agree completely. And I, yeah, I that think that's so really cool. interesting. Like, what, yeah. Yeah. And, and in this episode we see like they're, they're given intelligence and stuff from Starfleet. So, you know, Michael has the information about the seed chip and who's currently operating it and stuff. So they're not, you know, they're, they're being brought up to speed on certain things, but I, I want to see that process too. I want to see them learn about this universe as we mm-hmm. do as well. So mm-hmm. that's a really good point. I think that's really astute. Yeah. I feel like that's the cherry on top of your comment, Matthew. You didn't know you, you were going to get so much discussion out of your comment, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. So he's right though on two points. He's right in that we know more about Star Trek than the Discovery crew does because we've got you know, all of these years in between. And we also know more about Star Trek than the current star than current Starfleet does because we know all about discovery and they know nothing of any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great, Matthew. Thanks for leaving such detailed thoughts. And he said a lot other things, but I had to cut it down a little bit. Perfect. Yeah. No, I I think he makes he actually makes some really good points here. So totally. Cool. Yeah. And and keep it up. So Rob Vaughn on Twitter says, another good episode with a Trek heart. Slightly concerned that the Federation could be the, quote, bad guys in all this. Gutted we have lost Nan for now. What about the Voyager and the USS Nog? So I don't know about the bad guys thing. I think they were definitely, in this episode, the antagonists to the Discovery crew. Mm -hmm. But overall, bad guys... I would disagree with that. Yeah. I would say, you know, again, similar to what I was saying in the last one, I think justifiably wary. I think they were mm. definitely wary of Voyager. And, or Voyager. <laughs> I'm in a totally <laughs> different mindset here of Discovery and her crew. And, you know, it makes sense that there's kind of that that bit of a disconnect here. But I think by the end, yeah, we're getting closer together and you know, maybe there will be hiccups along the way and Discovery will do the Michael Burnham going rogue thing. I, I hope not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're going down that path. I, I don't think not. the Federation will be the bad guys here. 
I don't think so either. I mean, we still have to check back in with the Andorians and the Orions and what's going on with that situation. We have to figure out what's going on with the burn. We have to bring Book back in. Mm-hmm. And the kitty. <laughs> you know, I'm really hoping we see Mr. Sahil again. I'm I'm sad that he I I I imagined he would be, play a bigger role and I'm I'm sad we haven't seen him. So. You know, I did too, and I I've been wanting to see him again too. I re- he left such an impression on me in that first episode. I mean, he was he's really the reason why I cried so much in the first episode. Absolutely. And she commissioned him, so he's working. He's he's official. <laughs> somewhere (laughs) and so well dan i'm so glad that you're on talking about this episode like this is such a such a good episode for you to be on this this show with i don't know it feels like a dan a really strong dan episode with (laughs) the federation rediscovering the federation and all of that and starfleet oh i'm really glad to be on this one like i said i it's you know it's it's the most fun to talk about i think for sure yeah Okay, a few final thoughts, and uh, and then we'll wrap it up. So go for go for it, Dan. You might recognize this first commenter because he comes in the unready room chat a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I know him uh, as Kung in our our. Am I pronouncing that right? I just as an, as an aside. You know, I've said Kyung Kyung Hui. That sounds right. And I haven't been corrected yet, but I'm open to being corrected. Okay, <laughs> I might just say Kyung if. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> So yeah, I know this commenter as Kyung from the Unready Room. So thank you so much uh, for always joining our, our live chats there. And he says, way better third season than TOS. I was apprehensive initially about the show jumping so far into the future, but I'm loving it. I hope Vance doesn't turn into a bad Merle because I really like the character. He's got a difficult job trying to protect what remains of the Federation with his vastly diminished resources. The fact they were helping the refugees shows Starfleet is still committed to helping others during a dangerous time. Again, I I think another very astute comment here showing Mm -hmm. that like there are hints that Starfleet is doing their best as, as the best they can with the limited resources and stuff. And I really feel for the Admiral in this one because like you say here, he's got limited resources and he's got a mandate to protect what's left of the Federation. And it's clear, I think, watching him that he has a desire to do more and to invest more feelings into stuff, but he can't afford to. He has to be the kind of cold, hard admiral, like the whole interaction with Adira, for example. He says, you know, I'm familiar with Senatol. We're not familiar, so please don't speak as though we're on familiar terms or or whatever he says it's just mm-hmm. it you can tell he wants that familiarity but isn't willing to do it because he can't afford to yeah i think for listeners like i get the concerns about the admiral and the federation and what is the what is the security uh woman's name again willa willa yeah lieutenant yeah willa. who's amazing i think she's gonna go to discovery personally that would be um, cool. Now that Nan has left. And I think they're going to need somebody on Discovery that is familiar with the world as it exists today. Like a, a future Starfleet liaison. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's a badass. So, yeah, she's um, pretty cool. I just feel like give give them a little time, like give the Federation, give Starfleet a chance to kind of soften and realize that Discovery has brought them hope. And when they're used to not living, I mean, none of these people have lived 
when the burn hadn't happened. So like all all of them are used to that. So they're basically used to being grounded and not being able to explore uh, the universe anymore. So or or even communicate with everybody that they already know. So like they need a little bit of time to relearn what's possible too. And yeah. I think they definitely will. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think I, I feel like this season, the episodes so far have been taking the time to show more of that progression and take a breath and yeah. that sort of thing. So I'm I'm totally hopeful that that continues and I, I'm I'm optimistic that it will, that we'll see that pace where it's not just, you know, action, 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 action. We'll get to see that progression and that growth. I think I think that's mm-hmm. important. And I think they've taken that to heart this year. I I definitely agree, and I think it's gonna be take more than one season. I think it's gonna be it w- it can't just happen magically. We've seen people budge a little bit in each episode. Every single episode, we've seen people budge and grow and soften a little bit. There's been a character in each episode, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's just gonna keep happening. And it's gonna be really beautiful to watch them rebuild. Absolutely. Okay, so our final comment comes from James Deuce again, but they left this comment with regards to last week's episode, Forget Me Not, and then they asked me if if I would read this on this episode because it would mean a lot to them. So James says, I came out of the closet as a demisexual non-binary person, and well, this episode that aired made me want to cry. Again, that's Forget Me Not, last week's episode. If it wasn't for this episode and a character like Adira Tall, I don't know if I would have had the strength to come out. I have always looked towards the Trill as acceptance for the community, never realizing until recently that I was looking at them as part of acceptance for myself. So, James, I am so honored that you shared this with us, and I'm so proud of you for having the guts and the bravery to stand up and say who you are, realize who you are. And of course, you know, identifying with the trill makes complete sense and, and Star Trek in general. So this just really warms my heart so much. And I think you're amazing and congratulations. And you are so lucky that you're in a Star Trek community that is loving and accepting of all different kinds of people. So you're in the right place and you're among friends. So so again, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's so heartening to to read this comment and yeah, I I I can't remember the exact quote or how exactly it was said, but but somebody said the world is so much more interesting when people realize who they are and and share that with the world and I I think, yeah, the world is so much better when we accept, not just accept, but like, as Gene Roddenberry said, celebrate the special differences between folks, you know, I, and I just, this is beautiful. Yeah. And, and I love that Star Trek plays a role in that process as well. So very, very moving. And, and thank you so much for this comment. Yeah. I we talk a lot about this kind of stuff on what the future holds too because obviously it's me and Brandy and we're both like we're both like super sensitive and (laughs) so I yeah I think it's I think this is just beautiful and I I can't really think of a better way to end the episode (laughs) today 
um except welcome again to the party james and uh thank you everybody for your thoughtful comments dan do you have any other thoughts about what people said or or about the episode itself uh yeah so i really appreciated a lot of these comments and and you know i i have my ideas about the episode and how i saw it so it's always really great to see other people's perspectives and and some things in the episode that may have spoken to them in a way different than the way it spoke to me or made me appreciate something that I had kind of overlooked when watching the episode. So I, I really do appreciate that. The The different perspectives is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, what a great episode um, from start to finish. I, I really yeah. enjoyed every moment of it. Uh, I, we didn't really talk about Giorgio blinking the holograms off, which was something oh, yeah. I thought was a little weird. But other than that, I think I loved everything about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was weird? Well, I was like, are the, aren't these, you know, 1,000 years later holograms? How, how did she know how to do that? I, so hmm. Brandy and I posited that they had this type of technology in the Terran Empire, possibly hmm. a millennia ago. I don't know. And then actually Matthew said in the conversation thread, one of the comments that I that I wasn't able to put in about how Kovich was blinking at Giorgio. Maybe he was trying to signal something to her or something. Mm, okay. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that whole scene was fascinating. I, I love when yeah. the hologram turns to Kovich and says, please make her stop. And he just yes. kind of shrugs and is like, nah, I want to see where this goes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh so good, so good. Uh Dan, it's always great talking about Star Trek with you and uh let our listeners know where they can find you. I'm sure that they all know, but <laughs> go ahead anyway. Absolutely. Well, thank you of course for for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Uh you can find me on uh, my podcast is kind of the main thing that I do with Bruce Gibson called Positively Trek. You can just find that wherever you get podcasts. We try to talk about Star Trek in a positive and uplifting manner. So, you know, very, uh, very similar to, I think, what you've got going on on this show for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Productions, where I make videos about Star Trek mostly, some other stuff occasionally. Uh, but on uh, Saturday evenings, we do the Unready Room, which is a live discussion of the latest episode of Discovery for as long as it's running. So uh, that's a lot of fun. Hope you'll join us there. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, and that's just Star Trek backwards, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. Yeah, and are you going to do... So listeners, go hang out and join the Unready Room on on Saturday nights. It's so much fun. I've uh, guest hosted a couple times and I, I hang out in the chat when I can. But are you guys going to continue after season three ends and then do the to polls and everything and pick episodes or films to watch and still do episodes every now and then? I'm not 100% on that yet. I'm not sure. I think you should. <laughs> I think you should do it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. That was kind of... Uh, a uh, COVID quarantine related <laughs> activity. So I, I'm hoping that in 2021, people's Saturday nights get a little bit busier. Uh, but so maybe in, until there's a widespread vaccine, maybe. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> well, thanks again. And I will, I'm sure I'll see you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
You can join the Open Channel conversation on Twitter and Facebook by following us at Open Channel Trek and by joining our listeners group on Facebook by typing the Nexus into the search field. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield. Keep an eye out for my Open Channel conversation threads on Facebook and Twitter, which I will post every Thursday right before each new Star Trek episode drops. Thanks for listening to Open Channel. Channel Open, standing by. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I did kind of like the idea that he had the armory to work in. That was like his main mm-hmm. his main workspace, I guess. I found that quite different and that excited me. I think they kind of moved away from that a little bit as the show went on. Yeah, as we went on. It definitely appeared more in the first season, I think, and maybe the second than it did the later ones. Did you ever become attached to Malcolm as a character? I wouldn't necessarily say attached, but I always I enjoyed mo- most of the the times that he was on screen and interacting with the rest of the crew. For me, I was I was more attached to Trip. So yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it makes sense that you and I are doing a podcast together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loading Hollow Sweet preview program for there are four questions. A Star Trek Spotlight podcast that felt pretty cool and that's when I, I really really started connecting with star trek when i was actually here and on on the level of creator as opposed to fan so that was where i started getting it was like hey i could do this i remember writing <laughs> i sent this letter to him i wrote to um eric stillwell before i moved to, to los angeles and asked about the the rules for submitting the script and all that stuff and then i had this idea never heard back from him Loading Sweet preview program for Ladies Trek Library, women with a passion for Star Trek books. One of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it's called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, and she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her. And I, and I like how, and I was thinking about the, uh, the Broadway play Cats, because they kind of used cat names that that reminded me of the names in this book so and and this book was written in 85 so it could have been inspired by cats in that way computer deactivate holosuite